it's this thing on. Just what's up, freaks? It's your boy Marty here to introduce this rip of TFTC. I sat down with Josh Mandel, who's running for U.S. Senate out of the state of Ohio, embroiled in a pretty tight primary race right now, fifty days away from from the vote beginning, and uh, he's a one-issue voter. He wants Bitcoin to be a thing in America. Not only a thing, but a guiding force in the United States. I think you guys are going to like this app. This app. I haven't said this app ever. This rip. Uh, again, like try to put your... doesn't matter if you lean right or left. Try to enter this episode without any partisan politics in your mind. Uh, I think the overwhelming message of this rip is the fact that Bitcoin is bipartisan. Uh, it is just pro-human, pro-freedom, pro-liberty. And that's a beautiful thing. Uh, and can Bitcoin be the thing that gaps the divide in our political, our hyper-partisan political sphere right now? Gosh, I hope so. This rip was brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital is here to help you eliminate single points of failure in your, your custody model. They're here to bring you financial services. They're bringing financial services for Bitcoiners, custody being one of them. They have a lending desk as well. They have an IRA product. They're expanding the suite of products that they offer Bitcoiners. Uh, they have a Wake Love concierge service that will onboard you going from zero to having a multi-sig to a three multi-sig vault set up with Unchained Capital. Uh, again, you want to eliminate single points of failure in your custody model. Make sure that you're not holding all your Bitcoin on an exchange. That's a single point of failure. Make sure you're not holding all your Bitcoin in a single SIG wallet. If you lose that wallet and it's backup, you're shit out of luck. Think about doing collaborative custody with, with Unchained Capital using their Vault product, which is a two or three multi-SIG where you hold two keys. Unchained holds one key. You always have control of your Bitcoin if you have those two keys, but you're, if you're ever in a pinch, Unchained is there to be the second into two or three multi-sig quorum. This White Globe concierge service is going to take you from zero to having a vault set up with a thousand cut bucks worth of sats in it. It comes with multiple video conference uh, meetings where they get you comfortable multi-sig, comfortable with the vault. They're going to send you hardware wallets, help you get those set up. And then once you're ready, you're going to set your vault up and they're going to dump a thousand cut bucks worth of sats in it. Tell them that TFTC sent you and you're going to get... $50 off this package. Go check out everything they have going on at unchained.com. This trip was also brought to you by good friends at Brains. Brains. Coming to you live from the Czech Republic, bringing you incredible products. They're the team behind Slush Pool, which is the oldest mining pool in Bitcoin's existence. Mined now over 1.3 million Bitcoins since 2010. They're also the team behind Brains OS Plus firmware, which allows you to stack more sats with your, or you, you produce more hash and therefore you stack more sats with your ASIC. If you have an ASIC that's compatible with Brains OS Plus firmware and you don't have it downloaded and you're not using it, you are leaving sats on the table. It's as simple as that. They've got a they've got a Bitcoin mining com conference coming to you this June, June 15th, 16th. The BitcoinMiningConference.com is the particular website for that conference, I believe. I've just been running with it. I hope it is. Somebody tell me if it's not or if it is. I need to know. I'm too lazy to type it into my browser. 
uh, it's going to be an incredible event in the Czech Republic, in Prague. Incredible beer, beautiful women, beautiful men, handsome men, Bitcoin mining content. They've also got insights.brains.com. They're just doing a lot of incredible things. Go check out everything they have going on at brains.com, B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com. Again, I must stress, I have to stress this. If you're not running the firmware here, you're leaving sats on the table. Don't be stupid. Don't be stupid, freak. Keep it simple, stupid. Run Brains. Run, run the Brains OS Plus firmware. This room is also brought to you by a good friend at Hoddle Hoddle. Also over there in that area of the world coming to you from Latvia. They're building a lending platform. There's no KYC, no AML. You're not gonna be you're not gonna be tracking you. It's a beautiful thing. They leverage Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties as well. Uh, if you need liquidity, you don't want to give up KYC AML information. You don't want to sell your Bitcoin in your comfortable stable coins. What you do is you go to lend.hodlhodl.com. You put your Bitcoin up as collateral in a two or three multi-sig escrow. You hold a key, your counterparty holds a key. Hodl Hodl holds the third key. Excuse me, I'm gonna burp here. Sorry, that was rude. Anyway, back to it. You hold a key. Counterparty holds a key. Hoddle Hoddle holds a key. The beauty of this setup is, again, it's, it's non-custodial. You have a key. You don't have control of the Bitcoin because you can't move it. However, you have visibility into the 283 multi-sig escrow account, so you know that your sats aren't being rehypothecated and that if you pay back your stablecoin loan, you're going to get your sats back at the end of the day. You put your sats back as collateral, you get stable coins, you can go spend them as you see fit. And then as long as you're paying back that loan, again, you're going to get your sats back at the end of the day. If you have stable coins and you want to get yield on them, you can enter the other side of that marketplace where you put your stable coins up to be lent out and Bitcoiners using Bitcoin as collateral, take your stable coins and then they're supposed to pay you back uh, your stable coins, your initial principal plus interest. That's how you get your yield. Go to lend.hodlhodl.com to check all of this out. Last but not least, this rip was brought to you by our good friends at the Bitcoin 2022 conference. A nice quaint get-together in South Beach, Miami for the classiest of people in the world. It's a classy event, okay? April 6th to 9th in South Beach, Miami at the South Beach Convention Center. Day one, you're an industry player. You want to bump elbows with other industry players. You want to advance your career. You want to advance your product. You want to advance your status in the industry. Status. Is there even status? I yeah, just threw that one in there. You go to industry day. It's the first day. Days two and three, general conference day. A bunch of CEOs are going to be there. President Bukele's coming. He's designing like a, a Toyota Tacoma. And he, he just so he's giving me a presentation where he's gonna pull up the Toyota Tacoma site and he's gonna he's, it's gonna be a collaborative build of the Toyota Tacoma with the audience. It's gonna be really cool. Uh, it's so if you want to participate in helping President Bukele design his his new Tacoma, his, I think he's gonna get a 2023 model. Not even out yet, but I, I think something's happening where where he needs your help. But you got to meet him in South Beach, Miami. You got to go to the Bitcoin 2023. 2022 conference and do that. Uh, Jack Mallard is going to be there. Michael Saylor is going to be there. Marty Bent's going to be there. That's sly motherfucker. Matt O'Dell as well. well I, th I hear they'll be doing a rabbit hole recap on day three. 
on the 7th, maybe day two. I'm not sure. Nobody's told me yet. And then day four is pretty popping music festival. Logic's going to be there. Dead Mouse is going to be there. I heard Steve Aoki's going to be there if you're trying to get cake thrown at you. Not my prerogative. I'll probably skip that. But for somebody who likes eating cake and getting tossed in your face, Steve Aoki will be there, right? Am I just making Steve Aoki up? I don't know. I could be. Show up to find out. Use the code TFTC when you go to b.tc slash conference to buy your tickets and you'll get 10% off. Again, that's TFTC at b.tc slash conference. 10% off your tickets. See you, Miami freaks. Okay. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. What is up, freaks? It's your boy, Marty Bent. Welcome back to TFTC. I'm here sitting down with Josh Mandel, who's running for uh, the Republican. Uh, he's running for the Senate in the Republican race in Ohio, the state of Ohio. He's in the primaries right now. The GOP race seems to be pretty, pretty hot. Uh, and Josh is a fan of Bitcoin. And so we're here to talk about everything that's going on in Ohio, Bitcoin, and uh, the state of this country, uh, particularly Josh. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. No, I think uh, I'm excited for this conversation. I've had uh, a few uh, people who are, Cynthia Lummis has been on the show. She, she was not Senator yet when we, uh, when we recorded, Blake Masters has been on the show as well. Uh, he's running in Arizona and now you are the third uh, politician we've had on the show to talk about Bitcoin. It seems like Bitcoin is becoming a very hot topic in the political sphere and I'm just here to to understand your perspective, why why you believe Bitcoin's important, and why you've made it a point to to um, thread Bitcoin throughout your campaign, which many would view as risky uh, in some regards. Sure, yeah, I'm running on a pro Bitcoin platform. It's definitely made me a lot of enemies, but I uh, I wear those enemies as a badge of honor. I've had uh, Paul Krugman coming after me left and right. And a bunch of other just luddites and, and dinosaurs in politics and in the media. Uh, if you want, I can give you sort of a background of how I became a enthusiast and a Bitcoin maximalist. Um, I, uh, I I was state treasurer of Ohio, mm-hmm. and I had this crazy idea to put the state of Ohio's checkbook online uh, as transparency. I said the taxpayers have a right to know how the tax money is being spent. And I put online over $690 billion of state spending, everything from two bucks for a pack of pencils to millions of dollars for road contracts and everything in between. Managed to basically piss off every politician in the state. You know, the the politicians hated it, but the taxpayers loved it. And, uh, you know, through that process of putting the state's checkbook online, I got to know a lot of people in the uh, liberty movement and the libertarian community around the country and also in the technology community. And at that time, when I, I put the state's checkbook online and created this OhioCheckbook.com, you know, a lot of the friends I made, you know, in the libertarian community and tech community, 
you know, they, uh, you know, they, they kept talking about Bitcoin. This was probably around 2014. And so I, I've always been um, a strong believer in individual liberty and personal freedom. And it was my beliefs in those two principles that, you know, really brought me into the community and, and, and had me at the beginning of just studying Bitcoin and uh, the democratization of money in general. So uh, a little later in my term as state treasurer, I uh, decided that I wanted to make Ohio the first state in America to allow taxpayers to pay taxes with Bitcoin. Uh, at the time, um, it, it, it would have been a crazy idea in Ohio. Um, and, I, and I don't think any state in America had, had done it either. I mean, now I think it's more, um, more accepted and a lot of states are doing that. And so I, I went to my senior staff and I said, listen, I'm not asking you, I'm telling you, we're gonna make Ohio the first state in America to allow taxpayers to pay taxes with Bitcoin. I said, you have 24 hours to either walk out of this room or come back to me and, uh, and give me ideas of how we can do it and also all the arguments that are gonna be made against us. So I come back a day later, no one had walked out of the room, which was fortunate. <laughs> and uh, they came to me and said, listen, here's the bottom line. The, the bad news is there's nowhere, nowhere in state law or federal law that enables you to allow taxpayers to pay taxes with Bitcoin. The good news is there's nowhere in state law or federal law that prohibits you from doing it either. And I said, all right, let's just do it. I believe that we're on the side of personal freedom, individual, individual liberty. We're on the side of the law. We're on the side of the taxpayers. We're on the side of the angels. Let's just do it. And we can ask for forgiveness later. And so uh, we did it. Uh, I created uh, a website called OhioCrypto.com made Ohio the first state in America to pay taxes, uh, to allow taxpayers to pay taxes with Bitcoin. Um, the uh, governor went bananas. It was uh, Governor Kasich at the time. The attorney general, Mike DeWine, who's now the governor, uh, was uh, none too happy. The legislature uh, didn't know what was going on. And uh, we just did it. And we kicked that door open. And we made Ohio the first state in America to, to do it. And I didn't plan it this way because it took us a long time to build the website, but it so happened that I ended up launching OhioCrypto.com at a time, at the exact time when, you know, Bitcoin was uh, in a bear market. It was probably around November, December of 2018. Mm -hmm. So if you remember, it was, it was a time when like Jay Clayton and uh, Jamie Dimon and all these dinosaurs were stomping on Bitcoin and stomping on our community. And so at a time when these, you know, big bank CEOs and, you know, big government dinosaurs who are anti-Bitcoin were stomping on Bitcoin, here comes the state treasurer from the seventh largest state in the nation and says, we are recognizing Bitcoin as a form of tax payments for our state. And so it totally cut against what Jamie Dimon and all these other, you know, anti-Bitcoin you know, folks were trying to say and do. And, uh, you know, I went to a, a conference in New York and spoke to a lot of people there and, you know, sort of got known in the, in the community. And I, I left uh, public office uh, by term limits. And uh, about a year ago, a guy named Rob Portman here in Ohio decided that he was not going to run again. And so I announced I'm going to run for the U.S. Senate. I'm the leading candidate and I'm also the only pro-Bitcoin candidate in the race. That's a, that's a hell of a resume there from a Bitcoin perspective. Getting 
Bitcoin accepted, uh, allowing taxpayers to pay their taxes in Bitcoin is a great endorsement. What I want to see is just a Bitcoiner, what I've been pushing. So I'm in the Bitcoin mining industry. And I think what we need to do is replicate what Alaska has done with their oil permanent fund, but do it with Bitcoin mining. So Ohio is a very natural gas rich state. You guys got that Gucci gas. Uh, and what I want to see, and I, I, I think Wyoming's very well positioned to do this as well, is you can maybe issue bonds at the state level to, to get money to invest in mining uh, infrastructure that then gets rolled into a permanent fund that allows you um, to prevent taxpayers from having to part ways with their Bitcoin uh, by paying taxes because you can use this permanent fund to fund state activities. Now, I'm an idiot. Uh, I, I do not uh, really get involved with the political sphere too much. Is this something that you think could be possible? It's like, could Ohio create like a mining permanent fund potentially? Yeah, I think it's definitely possible. I mean, listen, I used to be in that office. I was the state treasurer. I was elected by the people of Ohio. And you, know, you mentioned the uh, gas here. A lot of people don't realize if you took Ohio, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia and combined our three states into a region, that region would be the third largest producer of natural gas in the entire world. Yeah. We are literally sitting on a gold mine of natural gas. And as you know, you know, in West Texas and other parts of America, you know, there's such an abundance of natural gas that it's being flared. And uh, you know, imagine if that natural gas could be captured and used for Bitcoin mining. What a great thing for our people. What a great thing for our country. Yeah, well, and this just gets into energy policy in general. Like, what, there seems to be in at the federal government level right now a inability or an unwillingness is a better word, an unwillingness to tap into these natural resources we have. It seems like from an energy policy perspective, we're taking many steps back um, because there's many virtue signaling environment environmentalists who think they're they're doing good for the country and the world by transitioning to unreliable renewables like solar and wind. And they're unwilling to make America energy independent by tapping into the bountiful resources that we have in the form of natural gas, oil, coal, um, nuclear. Obviously, there's not much uranium on U.S. soil, but we do have people who are smart enough to spin up reactors uh, that, that could leverage nuclear energy but like we seem to be at this weird point in u.s history where there's again an unwillingness to leverage our natural resources to become energy independent economically independent and uh, increase the quality of life for for individuals across the, the country uh, i agree with you 100 i mean we these natural resources we have beneath our feet these are assets not liabilities we are blessed to have here in Ohio this abundance of natural gas and the Marcellus and the Utica Shale. And you know, we're blessed to have these natural resources throughout the country in, in, in so many American states. And, you know, I reject the false choice that a lot of the like radical environmentalists try, try to present. They say, well, either you can drill for oil and gas and mine coal, or you could be pro-environment. That's baloney. We can do both. They're not mutually exclusive. You know, we can protect the air we breathe, the water we drink, the environment for our kids and grandkids. And at the same time, you know, we can explore for natural resources and develop natural resources here in this in this country. And we should should be doing that, you know, for three reasons. You know, one, for the economic strength of our nation. Um, you know, when we produce energy here, it not only brings down the cost of, you know, Bitcoin mining, 
but it brings down the cost of heating someone's home, you know, here in Cleveland where I'm coming at you. And I think it was, you know, 14 degrees over the weekend and it's expensive for middle-class families and individuals on fixed incomes to, to heat their home. Well, let's bring down the cost with American natural resources. You know, how about powering factories? You know, if we can power factories with a more reliable, dependable, affordable energy that comes from America, it means you could hire more people. The people already have jobs in factories, have higher wages. Um, you know, obviously we can bring down the cost uh, at the pumps. And, you know, I think the, you know, Biden administration's decision to shut down the Keystone XL pipeline they're trying to shut down the pipeline from Alberta, Canada into Michigan. It was that pipeline five. Every, yeah. I mean, they're doing everything they can to block natural gas development here in Ohio and Pennsylvania and West Virginia and other parts of the country. But then, you know, Biden lifts sanctions on Russia and enables the pipeline of Russia. And then he says to the American people, why don't we depend on OPEC? It's like, wait a second, OPEC. I mean, these are radical Islamic regimes in the Middle East who'd love to wipe America off the map. Why don't we, instead of like depending on Saudi Arabia, why don't we depend on Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Texas, Colorado, Oklahoma, the list goes on and on and on. And so, you know, this is center to Bitcoin, but it's also center to a strong America. And I think, you know, strong Bitcoin and strong America are one and the same. I do as well, right? Like, because Bitcoin you leaned into it a little bit in the beginning of our conversation, but like it is the protocol itself being open, transparent, very focused on protecting private property rights in the form of public, private public key cryptography. And like it aligns very tightly with the ideals that this country was, was founded on and private property rights, sound money and individuals being able to protect themselves. Absolutely. If, if I can, you know, just make one uh, other just observation. I don't want to get too much in the weeds and energy here, but you know, when wells are capped, mm -hmm. you know, there can be, you know, there's, there's can be methane release. Well, imagine if like that methane release, instead of capping, it was actually captured, captured, you know, for Bitcoin development and Bitcoin mining. I mean, there's, it, the, you know, Elizabeth Warren makes this ridiculous argument that Bitcoin is somehow bad for the environment. It's actually the opposite. Bitcoin mining is good for the environment, and you know we're going to talk about this hopefully in the you know in the course of our conversation. But I do not think that the advancement of Bitcoin is a partisan issue. In fact, it only works if it's if we as a community are relentlessly bipartisan and relentlessly one issue. And you know to to be successful politically in Washington or in state capital capitals. The Bitcoin community needs to be relentlessly bipartisan and relentlessly one issue and just focus. And, you know, it's something I, I feel very strongly about. And, you know, right now we have a uh, one senator Bitcoin caucus in the United States Senate with uh, Cynthia Lummis um, out of Wyoming. I've loved some of the recent stuff that Ted Cruz has been saying. And I'm running on a, a pro Bitcoin platform to really go grow the Bitcoin caucus in the United States Senate. And my vision for it is that it's full of Republicans and Democrats. And if the, you got some folks who end up being there from who are libertarian, Green Party, vegetarian, whatever, like we'll take them, you know, if they're, <laughs> uh, they're pro-Bitcoin. Right? No, it's, it's, that's the beauty of Bitcoin. It is, it, it does not need partisan politics to succeed. And like you mentioned, like it probably, 
will be even stronger if many people realize this is a bipartisan issue, like sound money and transparency is something that are desperately needed uh, at this point in U.S. history. I mean, just right before we came on to record this, uh, I've retweeted a video that's been circulating this morning. John Stewart had on the uh, uh, president of the Kansas City Fed, I believe. I forget his name off the top of my head, but John Stewart's asking him like, what is backing the dollar? What, what, like, how right. does the dollar operate? And he openly admits, oh, it's full faith that the the Federal Reserve and the Board of Governors can can actually uh, maintain and, and sort of steward the dollar. It is debt based. Uh, you're 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 banking on future production to to make sure that this can subsist. But and like John Stewart, and um. If, uh, pretty notable uh, liberal in the in the uh, political sphere, specifically as a commentator. And uh, in, in that, like, it, m most people don't even understand how the dollar works and that it is not backed by anything and it is all faith-based. And he, he had, it seemed like a, an epiphany during that conversation in the small clip that was shared that, oh, like, I didn't understand this. And I, I think that's what most people, Republican or Democrat, um, don't understand how the dollar works and, and how detrimental it is to the ability to save which is detrimental to society because you can't you can't plan for the future listen you know we have uh one of the 12 federal reserve banks here in cleveland and here's how i feel about it i actually think we should end the federal reserve um there's a like binary choice it's sort of like a fork in the roads mm -hmm. and like we either as American citizens, we either live in one of 12 Federal Reserve districts or we live free. Both of those cannot be true. And we need United States senators who get that. We do. We do. I mean, I, I agree. I think we have a binary choice too. Like I would even describe it probably more, uh, be more aggressive with the description, which is like we either get the Chinese social credit scoring surveillance system exported here to the U.S., which the Federal Reserve, the ECB, central banks around the world want to do with their central bank digital currencies. That's what will happen. You'll have that, that social credit scoring system enacted via that CBDC, or we get a, a future built on freedom and transparency, which Bitcoin provides. It's scary. Exactly. I've posted on it, you know, my my Twitter, Josh Mandel, Ohio, that, you know, not only should we end the Federal Reserve, but we have to crush this, you know, Federal Reserve, you know, they're, I think they're taking common questions now about a CBDC, you know, here. I mean, it's just, it, it's horrible for America. It's horrible for individual citizens. It's horrible for human liberty. It's horrible for personal freedom. It's just bad in general. And if they're still having that conversation, when I'm sworn into the U.S. Senate a year from now, I will do everything I can to crush it. And, you know, one, one of the, I get asked a lot, you know, about things I'll do in the United States Senate that are, you know, pro-Bitcoin. One of the most important things, I believe, one of the most important roles of a United States senator is the role of advising consent and the role a United States senator takes in really grilling and vetting nominees to not only um, the, the federal bench, but to all these different agencies. You know, and when you look at the Federal Reserve or you look at the SEC and some of these others, I am going to make sure that every single person that is nominated whether it's a Democrat president or Republican president, they are grilled and vetted on the positions on Bitcoin. And they, if they don't have an understanding 
I will tell them to go study and come back and then I will grill them again. But I don't know is not going to be a sufficient answer for me. Uh, and I will do everything I can to block and crush nominees. I don't, again, I don't care if it comes from a Democrat president or Republican president. If they're anti-Bitcoin, I will do everything I can to stop and crush their nomination. Mm -hmm. That's actually leads me to an interesting question. From like your perspective, if let's uh, just say hypothetically Bitcoin is, um, is either banned or prevented from flourishing in the United States, uh, what do you think that means for the future of the U.S.? Like, like how does shutting down Bitcoin, attempting to shut down Bitcoin, I don't think you can shut it down, but you can certainly slow down individual U.S. citizens from adopting it and using it uh, in an efficient manner. Like what, what happens to the U.S. If, if we mess up policy around Bitcoin? It crushes liberty at a human personal level. And it crushes, you know, freedom for individuals and for families. And listen, for, for anyone listening to this, if you distrust government, if you are skeptical about politicians, um, if you are cynical about how the political process works, then you should be for Bitcoin. And again, it doesn't matter what political party you come from. It doesn't matter what race, religion, socioeconomic background you come from, if you have a distrust of government, if you have a distrust of politicians, you should be for Bitcoin. And so the counter to that or the inverse to that, you know, going back to your, to your question is, you know, what does, what does weakening or trying to stop Bitcoin do? It empowers those politicians and those bureaucrats who want to control our lives. And like you said, whether it's a get, you know, social credit scoring, like the Chinese Communist Party is trying to advance, not just in China, but eventually throughout the world, or it's some other type of authoritarianism, like anyone who's an authoritarian, you know, into authoritarianism, anyone who is a big government, control the people, you know, someone who wants people to be as weak as possible and government to be as powerful as possible, it is those politicians and those bureaucrats who will flourish and advance their goals, you know, if, you know, if, if Bitcoin is weak or stopped. And so that's why I feel so strongly about supporting Bitcoin, our movement, our community, because we need to do everything we can to eradicate from our government and our you know, political offices, politicians and bureaucrats who want to control the people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I agree. You're preaching to the choir here. I, I, uh, I probably fall into the the former bucket of people you described. I'm personally politically disenfranchised. I don't. I've been a big big believer for for quite a while, having been a, a child of of the aftermath of 9/11 and the great financial crisis. That uh, politics, unfortunately, throughout the course of my life, has never ended uh, in good results for for my generation or. or or people in the U.S. and Bitcoin to me presents an opportunity to uh, sort of build something outside the system without having to wait for that political system to to bring about the the world that I would like to see. Bitcoin provides me with that opportunity. That's why I like leaning into it. That's why I like having the show. But with that being said, like it is really nice to see a Bitcoin caucus developing uh, among senators and representatives at the federal level because I think again, like I do love the ideal. I do love this country, right? Like, I think that's what many people 
uh, when you talk to somebody like myself is politically disenfranchised, I just think you're like anti-America or whatever. It's like, no, like I'm anti-big government and I, I, I do. And I, I don't even come, like, I don't even like describe myself as like a, a Republican or a right leaning person, even though that's probably how people would describe me. It's just like, I believe that that systems like economies and monetary systems are complex systems and just applying a, a heuristic to the understanding of complex systems. Like, you, like you're never going to get good results from top-down control or attempts at top-down control of complex systems. And I think over the last three decades of my life, that's exactly what the government has done, is tried to control very complex systems, where whether it be uh, centuries worth of, of political uh, stability build up in the Middle East, whether it be via the monetary system, or the the, uh, the global economy, as we've witnessed uh, over the last two years with the with the economic shutdowns and the lockdowns. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I'm glad to hear you say that. So you know, I think we're a similar generation, and I get these uh, anti Bitcoiners who they come at me and say, "Oh, Josh, you know, by you saying you want to end the Federal Reserve, or by you um, being you know pro Bitcoin, somehow you're like not patriotic." It's like, wait a second. I'm a Marine Corps vet. I did two tours in Anbar Province, Iraq. I did my small part. I, you know, put my life on the line. And the reason like I do support Bitcoin is because I believe in the constitution that I, I swore an oath to defend because the foundation of that constitution is human liberty and personal freedom. You know, it's not big government. You know, the, the, the framers of the constitution, the founders of this nation, they distrusted government. Like that is like the foundation of our American system of, of this Republic, you know, is making people as big as possible and making government as small as possible and as limited in, in size and scope. And so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting, like the, so, you know, I don't know, you know, 10 years ago or so a decade ago, you, know, you had, a lot of folks were just like totally dismissing Bitcoin. Um, and then like maybe, you know, seven, eight years ago, you had like a lot of folks I'd say were um, tech specialists and at the pointy tip of the spear in the technology world who were embracing it, but it definitely, you know, was not mainstream. And then maybe like, you know, five, six years ago, um, you know, it was you know more and more mainstream for you know the investment community and and just others. And then now today, it's actually being talked about as a form of national security for America. <laughs> Think about that. Think about that that progress. And you know, it's it, it's it's really amazing in such a short period of time where we've come. And it's exciting to think where we're going because make no mistake about it, the Chinese Communist Party. Um, they are, they wake up every morning thinking about world dominance. Like that is what they think about. Let me, let me read you this, uh, a buddy of mine. Um, I mean, I'm going to, let me just read this real quick. Cause a buddy of mine texted me. So last July, let's see if I can pull this up. Last July, Xi in China gives this speech to the Chinese communist party. And I'm just going to read one line from his speech, but this line from his speech, it was directed at us as, as Americans. So here's what he says. It says, Xi lauded the accomplishments of his country of 1.4 billion people and portrayed the 95 million member Chinese Communist Party 
as the only entity that can compete the ta- complete the task of national rejuvenation, warning that any force, and he's talking to America, warning that any force that attempts to bully, oppress, or subjugate us will find itself on a collision course with a great wall of steel. <laughs> that was that was G last July. And these guys don't mince words. And, you know, we've got, Marty, we've got politicians in this country on both sides, Democrat and Republican. They're thinking in terms of 24-hour news cycles and two-year, four-year, six-year election cycles. The Chinese Communist Party, these guys are thinking in terms of decades, generations, centuries. And, you know, and I know you followed and a lot of your, your listeners followed what they're doing with, you know, debt trap, diplomacy, and, you know, a lot of what you know, their activities, you know, throughout Africa, Central America, South America. And, you know, I think our politicians need to wake up. And, you know, this, the fact that the Federal Reserve here is talking about a CBDC is just, it's nutso to me. Um, And we're going to stop it. But, you know, one of the great, one of the tools we have in our tool belt to combat Chinese, the Chinese Communist Party quest for dominance is Bitcoin. And listen, I, I, I'm a Marine Corps vet who's against the Patriot Act. I worked in the intelligence community. I'm against the Patriot Act. And I'm for Bitcoin. And I think you'll find, you know, a lot of men and women, our generation who served in Iraq or served in Afghanistan are increasingly anti-Patriot Act and pro-Bitcoin. And it's because we put our lives on the line to defend this country And, you know, we know what this country is all about. It's all about advancing the cause of human liberty and personal freedom. It's not about government control of our lives. And the Chinese Communist Party, that is that is all they're about is the the government control of people's lives. Yeah, they're playing the win. They they don't they don't mess around. And that's I mean, we covered it on this show when it first came to light in the summer of 2020. But like they infiltrated the university system Like you had a bunch of researchers throughout the United States and the university system, like reporting back to the CCP. And that sort of got glossed over. You had that one Harvard professor, actually, I believe the Department of Justice and the FBI wound up arresting him and he got got sent to jail for uh, sending medical information or research back to the CCP. And I think it was directly related to the coronavirus stuff. It's like, and that's, if I understand it correctly, China doesn't only play for keeps, they only play long-term games, but they play, they do war in a different way where it's more covert and behind the scenes. And one could argue that we were under attack in many regards here in the United States. And it seems like people are asleep at the wheel, not number one, not understanding this. And then it seems like some people do understand, but it doesn't seem like we're doing much to combat it. And like you said, I think Bitcoin is a potent tool to ensure that that China doesn't win this long game that we're playing. And and again, like I know many Chinese citizens are good people. Some of the best, most uh, insightful, capitalistic people in the Bitcoin industry, the mining industry specifically, are from China. And, but they're Chinese citizens. They're not uh, like members of the CCP, if you will. And it's just trying to. And that's another thing Bitcoin can do. Like if the United States leans into it. Um, and strengthens the Bitcoin network that can strengthen individual Chinese citizens who then have more leverage against the the oppressive CCP in the long run. Yeah, I mean, you know, you talk about what the CCP does quietly. 
where I live here in the Cleveland area, you know, right down the road from where I'm sitting is Case Western Reserve University. It's one of the, um, you know, one of the top engineering hard sciences in colleges in America. The Chinese Communist Party, they have kids that are enrolled there, Case Western Reserve University, and I'm sure they have them enrolled where you're sitting in Austin at University of Texas and other universities. We know they do it at MIT and we know they do it at you know, Polytech here. And we knew, we know they do it at Purdue and Georgia tech and all over the country. They go up to kids who are in high school in China and they say, Hey, we're going to pay and enroll you for college in America. And you're going to be a spy for the CCP. And these high school kids in China say, say to the government, no, I don't want to do that. I'm going to stay in China. And the CCP says to them, says, no, I don't think you understand we are going to send you to America. We're going to enroll you in XYZ University. You are going to be a spy for the Chinese Communist Party. And if you do not agree to do this, we will disappear your family. So those are your choices. And so they have kids enrolled at American universities in every state in this nation who are spies. They're there for one reason, to collect information and intelligence for the Chinese Communist Party. That is the game they're playing. That is the war they're waging. And you know we need policy leaders that are, that are willing to wake up to it. Now, just to say something else here, um, you know, you, you were talking about just politically, you know, what happens. I think we got in this China topic talking about just the politics in this country. If, you know, if the, you know, anti-Bitcoin folks in DC succeed, let me tell you who's funding the anti-Bitcoin folks. It's people like Jamie Dimon and JP Morgan and big banks like that. You know, a buddy of mine recently told me that, I guess, following flight logs and whatnot, that Jamie Dimon spent approximately four months of one of the previous years in Washington, or at least, you know, on, you know, approximately four months of, of the year was, was, was in DC. Mm -hmm. Think about that for a second. You know, he's got, he's trying to, you know, build his own competing network, you know, to try to cross the lightning network. And like this, this is an American company. But, but, but it's not a, a company that's advancing the cause of American strength. You know, if any, any company that's trying to stop Bitcoin, it's not trying to strengthen America. And, and so, yeah, we should have our eyes on people like Jamie Dimon and companies like JP Morgan and others um, because, you know, they're trying to do everything they can to stop Bitcoin, which means stopping human liberty and stopping personal freedom and weakening America. <laughs> Yeah, no, in a, in a big way in which Jamie Dimon does it. I imagine he was spending four months of an individual year in D.C. to to lobby for particular regulations to either stay in place or be added because that's what these large behemoths from the banking sector do very well is they, they lobby to create a regulatory environment that creates a competitive moat that does not enable upstarts to, to actually compete with them. They don't like competition and they... They fight to to make it so competition is just immediately dismayed from the prospect of even trying to compete because the the cost of compliance is so high, um, and that's totally. one thing we focus on here at TFTC quite a bit is KYC AML regulations stemming from the Bank Secrecy Act. I personally think the Bank Secrecy Act should be abolished. I don't think KYC AML regulation that a lot of these banks use to create their regulatory modes actually helps any individuals. So criminals are going to criminal. They're going to they're going to figure out how to get uh, they're going to figure out how to launder money and they're going to use the the KYC AML data that they they uh, hack from the these servers that that are holding that data on behalf of these 
banking institutions, not even banking institutions anymore. It's it's spread to, to many other types of institutions. Uh, and it just puts individuals in harm way. You, again, you increase the cost of compliance by forcing companies to collect and, and store data, which is burdensome from a, uh, from a, uh, from an expense standpoint. And then, uh, on those servers often get hacked and individually we see it in the Bitcoin world a lot, but sim, sim, uh, sim swapping, like people are able to yeah. take information from those, those hacks, uh, get the phone number, sw- swap the SIM card, get the email address, reset the password and steal people's Bitcoin. This is just mainly because people are forced to give up all their personal identifying information uh, in the name of protecting people from from money laundering. Yeah, I mean, so many of these regulations and, and laws are, they're, they're put forth to do exactly what you said, to create a, a moat for <clears throat> these legacy banks and big banks. Um, I, I don't know if you've talked, I'm sure you've talked in your show about this, you know, $600 transaction thing mm-hmm. where, I mean, come on, the government is going to, the, the banks have to report to the government, to, to big brother, uh, any transaction $600 or above. I mean, that's insane. I mean, this is, this is like Orwellian to say the least. I mean, it's just, the whole thing's just nuts. And, but, but you're right. You look at JP Morgan Chase, you look at some of these other, like, you know, enormous banks, the amount of lobbyists and tax attorneys they have on staff, you know, it, it's just mammoth because, and there's this back and forth. Uh, and this is one of the dirty little secrets between Washington and, and Wall Street. There's this back and forth where people work for Goldman Sachs, work for JP Morgan Chase. And then when their party's in power, they go and work for Department of the Treasury or yeah. Federal Reserve or Department of Commerce. And then the next party comes in power and they go back to JP Morgan Chase or Goldman Sachs or wherever. And then it just, it, it just is back and forth. And they're, it's not like pro Democrat or pro Republican. It's like pro green party and not the green party with Jill Stein's from the other green party. It's like world's smallest violin. These guys are just like doing every day, everything they can to, you know, enrich themselves. And it's this horrible pro and you know who gets screwed? Mom and dad in Dayton, Ohio. A young entrepreneur, small business woman in Youngstown, Ohio. You know, that truck driver in Toledo, Ohio. Like that's who's getting screwed by this. And uh, it's got nothing to do with the strong America. It's got, you know, it's got everything to do with them, you know, enriching, enriching themselves. Um, hey, you know what I just uh, realized also, Marty? What's that? I've, I think in like the, whatever, half hour or so we've been on. I think I've drinking from like four different cups. Yeah, I've like, noticed that too. I saw coffee, I saw my cup. So I've got like <laughs> this one that's got like cold water. And then I got this one. I got like the red solo cup with the warm water. And then I got this one with the coffee. And then I got this one with the tea in it. I mean, is that a record for uh, for this for the show? Like four cups or four cups? Yes, we've um, in the early days of the show, we used to drink a lot. Um, oh, so we would go through a lot, a lot of uh either beers or whiskey uh, in terms of quantity, but in terms of number yeah, of yeah, different... Maybe that'll be the fifth one. Def, no, definitely, no, definitely highest in terms of number of different liquids consumed uh, on one show. So we're going we're gonna to write that down, Car. Strike it for the record book of TFTC here. We've got, we've got at least four liquids being consumed on the other side of the camera. Um, but like, coming back to 
what you were just saying like, with the, the regulatory, like, it's completely disgusting. Like, you have Janet Yellen, like, she's done being uh, the chairwoman of the Fed, and then she's able to go give speeches, 45-minute speeches at Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, whatever it may be, and get paid 250 grand a pop or more. Sometimes Ben Bernanke, he's on the board at Citadel, which is a hedge fund that many would argue has benefited pretty massively from Fed policy, particularly after they changed the facilities and in reaction to uh, the COVID stuff in March, April 2020, they, they essentially opened the floodgates of the monetary spigot to hedge funds by, proc by using the FICC as proxy. Like it is completely uh, a corrupt system, a federal bank, the Federal Reserve and its uh, interaction with the primary dealers that have access to the window. And so that's what Bitcoiners really lean into, as you know, is like the, in the incentives of that system are just completely borked. Like the way it is structured from a hierarchical design is it is easy to... Uh, easy to corrupt. It is, one would argue, corrupt from inception just to how the hierarchy uh, and the connections between the Fed and its primary dealers are set up. And that's the beauty of Bitcoin. For anybody listening, it's left, right, middle, whatever you may be. Like that, I think that's one thing we can all agree on is uh, across the aisle is the incentives of a, a monetary system run on Bitcoin are much more aligned with fairness and, and not, not going to bring about equality it's not going to bring about a quality of outcome or equity, but the, the playing field is much more fair and the incentives are much more aligned with fairness and allowing individuals to, to compete. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, one of the other gross revolving doors is between the Federal Reserve and Treasury. You know, <laughs> thinking about it, I, there should almost be like a wall, right? Um, but now it's like all intertwined from everything I've read. Like they have like all these like meetings between the Fed Reserve and the Treasury. And mm -hmm. I just think there's a lot of bad things going on there. Um, and <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just none of it's good for Bitcoin and none of it's good for like the American people. And the Fed and the Treasury have essentially merged at this point. Right. I mean, the Treasury right. has an account at the Fed now. <laughs> after after the reaction to COVID, I mean, Janet Yellen, obviously, she was a Fed chairwoman. Now she's secretary uh, of the Treasury, Treasury secretary. Larry Summers was um, similarly held both positions, uh, I believe, or at least a Fed governor. Um, yeah. And he, yeah, it's it's very incestuous. It's and it's filled with a bunch of individuals who don't have experience in the real world. They're, they're academics who get to these positions and they don't really understand what it's like for a small mom and pop shop in Ohio to uh, run its business. They don't understand the, the, the problems that they go through, the, the trials and tribulations that they have. Everybody, you know, all the mom and pop shops and even large corporations, they're just inputs and Excel sheets that these people use as models to to try to predict what will happen in the economy. And again, it goes back to the fact that these people think that they can micromanage a complex system in a monetary system. It's just not possible. Um, totally, man. And, and they, not only do they not know or relate to people like in my state, but they, I don't think they care. Like I was at, the other day I was at a Waffle House in Octa, Ohio. It's about rural areas, about halfway between Cincinnati and Columbus. Um, and my waitress, her name was Teresa. She was, you know, I was just talking to her and she was like, listen, like I work here 10, 12, 14 hours on my feet. 
And then I go to the grocery store after work and like the price of bread, the price of milk, the price of meat, it's just getting tough, Josh. And then she's telling me like, go to fill up my, my gas tank. It's getting tough. And I said to her, I said, you know, I think inflation is theft. I said, like, th this is politicians and bureaucrats and people at the Federal Reserve. They're stealing from you. This is theft. And the best antidote to that theft is Bitcoin. And, you know, you think, you know, Gary Gensler, Goldman Gary, you think he cares about Teresa who's working at the Waffle House in Ohio? No way. He doesn't care. And that's the problem. You know, we need, we just need a whole generation, new generational leaders in this country. And there's this lady uh, running for Congress and in LA. I think I disagree with her on every single thing. Like I can't think of one topic I agree with her on. Her name is Erica Rhodes, mm -hmm. except Bitcoin. And that's one of the beautiful things about Bitcoin is that it can bring people from totally opposite ends of the political spectrum together. And, you know, there's, uh, you know, I think when the American people are looking at Washington right now, they just see a lot of politicians who care about stuffing money in their own pockets and who care about enhancing their own personal power, but don't care about the American people. And you know, I, I think we just need more leaders in this country who, who just care about the people. And and you know, one of the things also, you know, I think it's important to note in um, in the nineteen seventies, um, the about eighty percent of public officials. Uh, were veterans of the U United States Armed Forces. Um, today, it's down to 16%, one six. We're at all-time low. Mm -hmm. And, you know, by no means does military service uniquely qualify someone for public office. Um, but I will say that I think we're starting into American history when our country would be better served with more veterans, more young men and women who've carried a weapon in a foreign land, serving in the United States House and serving the United States Senate. And I think now is one of those moments. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people in our community, in the Bitcoin community, who come from a libertarian um, viewpoint. And, I, you know, I do as well. And I think it's important that we do everything we can to recruit more military veterans into the Bitcoin community. Because at the end of the day, the, the Marines I served with and my buddies from the Marine Corps they don't want the government involved in our lives. They are, and we don't talk, I don't talk politics with my buddies from the Marine Corps. And so I don't even know what political parties they are, but you know, when a lot of them talk about sort of how they view the world, it, it's almost like a, a libertarian type viewpoint, which is like how you and I see the world, Marty. And at the end of the day, like, like I was saying earlier, when we raised our right hand to defend the constitution, to defend this flag behind me, we were, we were defending the concept of human liberty, the concept of individual liberty, the concept of personal freedom. And that's what Bitcoin's all about. And so, you know, I, I think as someone who's pro-American strength, pro-American military, anti-patriot act and anti-big government and pro-Bitcoin, obviously, I think we got to be doing everything we can to recruit more and more like-minded philosophically veterans um, to you know, in, to leadership in our in our country, but also just get involved in the Bitcoin community because them, they fought to protect the ideals that Bitcoin represents. I completely agree, and I think even to add to that, I think it probably is wise to have more military members in positions uh, 
throughout politics at the federal level because they understand uh, how, to, how scary war is, how, how vicious it is, and they don't take going to war lightly, which I think a lot of the politicians that, that sit in D.C. right now do. They, they don't, they're not you know, the ones on the... It's a really good point you make, Marty, that, you know, I think there's a misconception. I think a lot of voters, they look at someone with a military background who's running for office and they think they're going to be a warmonger and, and be for military adventurism in the U.S. House or the U.S. Senate. I'm the exact opposite. Like, be, because I served and did a couple tours in Anbar Province, Iraq, as a United States senator, I will do everything I can to keep our sons and daughters from going to war. You know, because, you know, I've been there and, you know, and, and that's how most of my buddies feel too. You know, it's just, you know, we should do everything we can to stop war and to defend against new wars. And, you know, what what is the formula there? The formula there is a strong America. And what's foundational to a strong America? Individual liberty, personal freedom, freedom and Bitcoin. Yeah. I love I love hearing a politician say, yeah, Bitcoin's essential to to a strong America as it is. I mean, you're talking to somebody who wholeheartedly believes that. And not only believes it, I've seen it to be true. I've seen it make my life better as an American. I've seen like somebody you described with the natural gas, uh, taking capped wells and mining Bitcoin with it. I'm doing that. Like I've seen it. Like I'm doing it. You're doing that? Yeah. Like I've seen it. Where? Yeah. <laughs> uh, up in Tennessee. Uh, oh, I, really? Yeah. Huh. There's, that's interesting. Tennessee's not a state I think of like as a natural gas state, so that's awesome. What would uh, is it like in one of the shale formations or what? Where? Uh... Yeah, I don't know the exact shale, but the way it works up there, they have very shallow uh, oil wells that, that they they dig. And I had a person I used to work with buy some land up there, and he happened to have a well on on his land, and throwing a few miners on there uh, to mine personally. And what we're doing is basically. Awesome. Uh, so the way it works up in, in that particular shale in northern Tennessee, southern Kentucky, is the the uh, producer would go get the oil out, again, shallow well, so the oil part of the well would run dry within a few years. It uh, wasn't economically sound to build a gas pipeline and connect it to a grid or a larger pipeline that would sell to midstream. And so oil runs dry. You cap the natural gas well that's associated with it uh, with no pipeline connectivity and it sits there for into perpetuity uh, if nobody's there to come pick it up. And so um, we're happy to un, uh, uncap the well, turn the valve, let the gas come out, flow through a generator, mine Bitcoin with it. Awesome, man. Reducing methane uh, emissions and, and, yeah, and it's a rural farming community. So it's... Um, it's helping, like we think, there's a shit ton of these wells throughout this this part of Tennessee. You can go to the farmers who are just paying leases on these wells that are sitting on their land and not really doing anything with the gas. And be like, hey, you could get something out of your gas. You you have another revenue stream on top of well, what you're doing with your cattle ranching or your your crop farming. Like you can you can get more value out of the land that you own. And this emboldens uh, the individuals who actually run the country, the people producing our food. Uh, who have been somewhat forgotten uh, in today's day and age. And that's the beauty of Bitcoin, being able to take these stranded, wasted energy sources, turn it into hard money, uh, and anybody can do it. A farmer can participate in it. A large, publicly traded uh, company could take uh, part in it. Democrat, Republican, Bitcoin does not care. Let me, um, do you mind if I shift gears and talk about my race for a little? 
Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. What's going on? So, um, it seems pretty. It seems pretty heated from what uh, from what I've observed yes, over the last. My few race days. for U.S. Senate, the un- unique opportunity for the Bitcoin community to elect a Bitcoin champion. And let me just walk through the difference between a friend and a champion in politics. Uh, a friend is someone in the United States House, United States Senate, who might vote the right way for our community at the end of the day. But when the fight is going on and the senators that are in the pockets of the big banks are trying to do everything they can to screw over the Bitcoin community and block Bitcoin and stop it, a friend is not someone who's going to fight behind the scenes. They'll vote the right way at the end of the day, but they won't fight. A champion will fight. And that's what I'm going to the United States Senate to be. I'm going to the Senate to be a champion for the Bitcoin community. So when these U.S. senators, Democrat and Republican, who are in the in bed with the big banks and have all this big bank money stuffed in their pockets, when they are trying to advance the cause of big banks and big government and trying to stop Bitcoin and block Bitcoin and put in horrible language like they did in the transportation bill, <laughs> I will be there fighting tooth and nail alongside of Cynthia Lummis to stop them. And you know, in this race, there is no United States Senate race in America where there was someone like me, a Bitcoin champion running for office. When I get to the United States Senate, I will live and breathe and sleep. I will wake up every morning fighting for the advancement of Bitcoin. And the reason I'll be doing that is because I believe in my bones uh, in, in fighting for individual liberty and personal freedom. And I fought and, and have served you know, standing up for, for those freedoms. Now, let's go, go, ahead. go ahead. I was just going to say, like, do, are, are any of uh, the individuals who are running against you in this GOP primary, are they, what are their thoughts on Bitcoin? Yeah, I mean, most of them are silent. One of them, because they don't even understand it. Like if you started talking to them about, you know, right to run your own node or proof of work or self-custody, like they'd be lost in the sauce. Like they don't, they don't understand any of this. Um, on top of that, I've got one lady running against me. Her name's Jane Timken. She was the chairman of the Republican Party here. She is completely in bed with these big banks. And like, if you look at the United States senators who inserted the language in the infrastructure bill that was horrible to our community, she has support from some of the same banks that are supporting them. And like, the interesting thing with this race is the voting starts in 50 days, five zero. And so this thing's going to be over soon. And so the, the reason we got our teeth kicked in and in the infrastructure bill was because we only had one champion, Cynthia Lummis. We had some friends, but we only had one champion. And the big banks had a bunch of champion. And so we lost. And so the way to get more champions in there so this never happens again. And so instead of playing defense against Goldman Gary and the SEC and, and all these like you know bad guys who are trying to stop Bitcoin and advance big banks – if we want to go on offense, we need to elect more champions. And there is no race in America, U.S. House or U.S. Senate, that has a champion like me. And I've got the scars to prove it, right, from building the first website in America to allow taxpayers to pay via tax, taxes via Bitcoin. And I've got scars now. I mean, I've got – when I talk about ending the Federal Reserve, I get private messages say, hey, Josh, you shouldn't say that. People in the past who have said that. They've ended up in a body bag, literally. But I huh. keep saying it because it's the right thing for our country. And so, you know, my, my website is joshmandel.com, J-O-S-H-M-A-N-D-E-L.com. On the website, you can, uh, people can donate, you know, via Bitcoin. They can also donate, you know, via fake fiat if they want. 
you know, there's a, there's a button for both of those. Um, but listen, at the, at the, at the end of the day, the only way to get more champions in the U S Senate is to elect them. And my race is going to be over soon. And so like, I need help. I'm up against one guy who's a banker. He put in 12 million of his own money. I'm up against this lady who's got all this big bank money and her stuff in her pockets. And here I am the pro Bitcoin candidate. I'm actually in the lead in this race. Um, but they're coming after me with a lot of big bank money and big government money. And I need your help, you know? And so, you know, anyone who can go to my website, joshmandel.com and, and donate, whether it's via Bitcoin or, or, or via USD, like I really appreciate it because like the only way to win is to be able to get this message out throughout the state. And in a state like Ohio, that's 11.7 million people, the seventh largest state in the nation, the only way to get my message out is via media, whether that's, you know, digital media on the internet, whether that's, you know, cable news, whether that's, you know, streaming, you know, via Hulu, YouTube, what have you, whether it's, you know, traditional broadcast TV, you know, we've got a lot of people in our state who are still watching the six o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock news. And so, you know, we need to advertise via all those different mediums, but we can't do it without money. And so you're like, I am, I'm here as a Bitcoin champion. I want to be a Bitcoin champion in the United States Senate. I want to take on the big banks. I want to take on the SEC. I want to take on the Federal Reserve. I want to take on the Chinese Communist Party. I want to stand up for Bitcoin in the U.S. Senate, but I can't do it if I lose. And so, you know, I need help now to get to get across the finish line. And the way for people to help is post about me on their Twitter, post about me on their other social media, and most importantly, go on my website, joshmandel.com and donate. You heard it here first, Freaks. And this is something that, I think in the last year, year and a half specifically, Bitcoiners have realized like, all right, we probably like again said it many times throughout this conversation. I've been politically disenchanted. I said disenfranchised, I'm not really disenfranchised, I'm disenchanted by the whole process. Uh, uh, but I have been coming around more recently, like, all right, like, let's, we can enter the game and, and fight fire with fire and by getting Bitcoin focused politicians into positions of power uh, it, it can only help Bitcoin I would imagine so there's a massive push within the Bitcoin community uh, to begin supporting uh, politicians who are are doing single vote uh, single issue voting or single issue with Bitcoin specifically you mentioned Erica Rhodes there's many Bitcoiners have gotten behind her and anybody out there is listening has gotten behind Erica I mean why wouldn't you get behind Josh as well? And so I hope that this conversation, uh, while I know it definitely will permeate throughout throughout the Bitcoin world, hopefully it goes beyond though. Because again, these are these are bipartisan issues. We need to uh, bring sound money back and really fight for individual liberty in terms of private property rights, which Bitcoin does. And then, like you said, we were talking about end the Fed and audit the Fed. Like the Fed is in a very precarious situation. Like we need a lifeboat. It's not going to be a CDBC or whatever, a CBDC. Uh, like, like the monetary system and the financial system is is skating on skating on very thin ice. Like, it, it would be good to have a lifeboat for when that eventually does collapse. It's going to happen. It is inevitable. It is a mathematical inevitability. And so, at the federal level, if we were to shut down Bitcoin or prevent Americans from adopting Bitcoin, it would be 
very bad for for individuals across the country. So, Josh, I want to thank you for being a champion. I, mean, I, I really like that uh, that distinction that you made: champions versus friends, because there there are, have been a lot of people who just mention Bitcoin because they want the votes and really won't do anything behind the scenes. So, it is nice to know that um, there will be individuals like you standing side by side with Senator Lummis to actually champion Bitcoin on Capitol Hill because it's desperately needed. I appreciate it, man. And, uh, you know, there's over 300 million people in this country and most of them are getting crushed now because of inflation. And I think, you know, I just appreciate you in this conversation showing a heart and bringing up like regular people, because I think that's something that's lost in all these political discussions. Like this isn't about numbers on a spreadsheet. This is about human beings lives. And that's like, that's one of the main reasons I support Bitcoin because it's good for people in my state and people in my country. And, you know, as you know, and your listeners know, you know, Bitcoin is deflationary, but the establishment politicians in this country that subscribe to this traditional monetary policy they're the ones who are creating and increasing the inflation that's crushing people. You know, just like I said earlier, moms and dads and waitresses, yeah. truck drivers and places like Cleveland, Ohio, Dayton, Ohio, Columbus, Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio. And, and it, it needs to stop. And, and so like, we just got to remember when, when we're talking politics, we're not we're talking policy like it, th- this isn't about like spreadsheets like this is about people. And like that's, you know, I think our Bitcoin movement, if, if we really center it on how it impacts people's lives, we win. And, you know, let let the Janet Yellens and the Powells and the Genslers and let them talk about, you know, sp- spreadsheets and charts. And like we got to talk about people because that's how, you know, th- that's how we win. The argument of ideas is talking about how you know, good policy on Bitcoin and strong Bitcoin and Bitcoin champions in the United States Senate will help individual citizens, you know, throughout this great country. Yeah. And I, I actually truly believe like it will solve the hyper-partisanship that exists right now because people, due to the rising inflation and the, 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 the gorge that has been forged uh, in the wealth inequality gap via monetary policy. People are misdiagnosing. They're saying, no, it's the left in their policies. It's the right in their policy. Nobody's pointing at the Fed and being like, this is this is the root of the problem. And if we fix the root of the problem, I think we should see tensions in this country uh, from a from a hyper-partisan perspective uh, lessen. Because uh, I think we'll, we'll actually, people won't have many things to complain. Well, they won't have as many things to complain about because they'll actually be able to to live their lives in a comfortable way, which just hasn't been possible uh, in recent history because we fucked up the money. Well said, man. Well said. And listen, when your when your viewers, listeners, when they when they go on my website, joshmendel.com, they might not agree with everything I stand for, but you know, one thing I think they do agree with is my being a fierce pro Bitcoin champion in the U.S. Senate, and so. Like I said, if we're going to be successful as a community in this political arena, we need to be relentlessly one issue and relentlessly bipartisan. And so like when you go to my website, just remember I am pro-Bitcoin, pro-Bitcoin, pro-Bitcoin. And I urge you to take that into consideration and be relentlessly pro, you know, pro-Bitcoin, which means being relentlessly one issue and supporting me because of my support and future champion of Bitcoin in the US Senate. So um, just, you know, one more shameless plug for the website, joshmandel.com. 
J-O-S-H-M-A-N-D-E-L.com. You can uh, donate there via Bitcoin and also via USD. Um, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Josh Mandel, Ohio. And listen, it, it's not lost on me that not everyone has money to give. And there's other ways to help. If you live in Ohio or if you got family or friends here in Ohio, shoot them a note today and uh, you know tell them you heard, you heard me and uh, you know, like what you had to say and ask them to put a sign in their front yard. Ask them to vote for me. You know, this isn't just about money. We do need money to, to win this thing, but we need a lot more. We need votes and we need volunteers and you know, people can help out in a, in a variety of ways. Freaks, if you want to help the cause, if you want to get Bitcoin, uh, a Bitcoin champion on Capitol Hill, joshmandel.com. We'll link to it in the show notes as well. J- Josh, I wish you well. Thank you for fighting the good fight on behalf of liberty in the digital age. Thanks, man. Next time, let's do the show in Ohio. Let's get you up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I'd love to come up to Ohio. Jeep with me. Get you on the road. Yeah, I need to come check out that Gucci gas. So I'll definitely be up in the state I at some what, point. Man, no joke. Like I, I know a lot of people here who are active in the Utica and the Marcellus. It'd be an interesting show for you to do to come up here, and you know people don't realize, you know the uh, abundance of natural gas up here in poor, poor parts of Ohio, eastern Ohio, western PA, and and West Virginia, and it'd be, it'd be interesting to come up here and, and do a show and talk to some of those folks because so much of that natural gas is not only contributing to you know, the economic strength of America, but it can be contributing to Bitcoin mining as well. Oh yes, I mean uh, it's a bit contrarian to the Bitcoin world right now, but I believe off grid natural gas mining is going to going to contribute significant hash rate to the network by the end of the the end of the decade here. Um, I'll definitely I'll definitely be making a trip up because uh, and I love the producers that I've spoken with in Ohio. It's it's good people. I'm from Pennsylvania personally, so just a state uh, east of of you and it's like that's I'm from Philadelphia, but everywhere west of Philadelphia it's just like good hardworking people who just want to put food on their families' tables, put a roof over their heads and just live a good life. Yeah, you know what they say about Pennsylvania, right? You got Philadelphia on one side, Pittsburgh on the other, and Alabama in between. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's an Good incredible people. state. It's a big state. They're big states. Good football states too. The Ohio Pennsylvania football rivalry is a good one. I mean, I'm not sure I'd compare Pennsylvania. To <laughs> That's well, another conversation. Yeah, for it's a conversation day. for another day. Um, Josh, thank you again. Wish you well. Uh, and uh, that's all we got this week, freaks. Peace and love. Take care. Okay.